and we're live. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. We are with Pinder from Falcon Insurance today. Now, for many of you that have been following us uh, and on my Facebook, my Prof Scheme and Pinder is people that we've had dealings with or worked with over the years. And now we're recommending to all of our community members as the preferred partners. And as part of the programme, we interview each preferred party in the trade that they're in. Uh, so welcome to the show, Pinder. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for having, having me along. No problem at all. So, uh, Pinder is from Falcon Insurance, and um, obviously then today's topic is going to be about insurance, insurance. believe it or not. <laughs> and I think it's very important that we get this topic across well, because I know that lots of people, and people that I've dealt with before, um, looking after the bottom line, they don't want to spend too much money, and I think often the insurance element is the one that they tap aside or take out the wrong product and then when they try my name of course they can't uh, because it's not suited in the first place so talk to us a little bit about yourself then pinder first i mean what what started you all off in the insurance game Starting me getting into the insurance industry growing up in slough wasn't uh, the easiest of things I got myself regularly into trouble. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about that. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean trouble? I didn't suffer fools very gladly. Like okay. So, uh, so you used to go into a few fisticuffs? Uh, then, just one or two. Just okay. one or two. Like, you know, so it was a case of like, you know, um, my dad wanted me to get to get into a sort of, some sort of career. Um, he dragged me along to my uncle's place, who at that time owned a small brokerage in the back streets of uh, Charlie. An insurance South. brokerage? Insurance brokerage, yeah. Um, dragged me in there, John, after I've sort of just been released by... Uh, uh, Mr. Police Officer, <laughs> for getting into another fight. In those days, did you get a clip around the ear, or was was it like all sort of cool, all PC like it is now? Oh no, 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 no! Back then, John, it was a proper clip around the back of the ear, at the head, and, and dragged uh, you, you home, know, and dragged you home, and said, "Look, you know, you know, this is what Sonny Jim's been up to," and uh, your dad bounced you up all the walls. <laughs> so, talk to us about that then. So, you were dragged, you were dragged home, and you went to uh, your uncle's brokerage. What, what, what was? that like back in that day back in those days ah, there was no computers calculators just like you know was the only thing that you had you know have had any sort of sort of smart intelligence and you know i wasn't a very intelligent person using them at that time um yeah you had to work out all the rates manually you know all the little points one percent for this two percent for that and work and work out which insurance product was going to be the best for that particular client. So, so were you working in that brokerage then? You got a job there, did you? Yeah, I started off, you know, doing all the filing, doing all the you know t teas and coffees, etc. As you do working from the bottom, um, you know, it was it was it was interesting. It was interesting. Then you know, um, my uncle said, look, you know, you really need to get into college and you know get some education at the same time. Tender, was that the time when people used to go around knocking on doors? Because I remember that my mum's insurance. Well, that's what she used to call him. So I'm guessing he was. I don't know. Maybe he was somebody else. But they used to come around once a month oh, to the collect the premium. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that is that the same thing? No, no, no. no. Okay. We, we we were office based, completely office based. Right. So, you know, our our target market was you know small tradesmen, um, car insurance, motor insurance, prop, landlords insurance wasn't really one that was on the radar at that time you know, they probably it, didn't have it did they then it, 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 it was a very sort of unknown product back in 1986 yeah you know so it's one of those ones that sort of really wasn't taking off until large investment investors started coming along the bigger um, the, the bigger landlords the bigger landlords yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, you know I, I did a couple of years at college while still working for him on the weekends what were you studying at college um i did a um btech in business and finance okay yeah um didn't pass and it. did you calm down by then or were you still fighting everybody <laughs> <laughs> it, no we had to start calming down like you know um you know mum dad um 
arrived, you know, from India, not didn't have a very, very much, to, you know, to their name. Um, but I had to sort of contribute and sort of towards the, um, you know, the to the house fund, ha- house funds, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like you know, it started taking off for me around about 1989, 1990, um, when I thought, you know, I'm going to make a try and make a career of this. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to try and make a decent career. So you know, you know, worked through um, some of the brokers, left my uncle, went to a larger broker. Um, 1993, 94, I was working in the middle of London um, for la- one of the larger corporates. And then from there on, it just sort of started snowballing. So at what point did you think, because I know a lot of people do this, they go through this entrepreneurial cycle where they're working for somebody else and then they kind of like think, hang on a minute, I could do this myself. You know, what's the point of making somebody else rich when I can do it for myself and my own family? So at what point did you have that light bulb moment? Oh, you know, I, uh, I packed up my bags and left Slough um, in 2000. Um, came Wasn't that where the, the office was recorded? Was that Slough? Was that where the yeah, office was recorded? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, literally, yeah, literally a mile around the corner David from mum uh, and dad's house. Right. Um, I said I had enough, enough of working out of London. It was just really dragging me down. Kids were growing up and I said, look, I need to get out of this rat race. And my wife was originally from Birmingham. She says Edge Baston. Now I say Winston Green. You're on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> um, Depends if you're trying to buy a house or sell it. What, yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. You know, we've got areas where areas that you know are, they're all right, and areas that are not so all right, and they're kind of bordering. So people choose, you know, to decide which postcode to use. <laughs> yeah, the area. Yeah. Yeah. So I came up here, um, started working again for one of the corporates over in the city. Um, I started getting disillusioned. You know, I've spent a lot of years working in the insurance industry and think, well, you know, a lot of these clients not really getting the service and some of these guys don't really care. You just become a number. Mm. Unless you're spending 100,000, 200,000 pounds a year, you know, you're not going to get the service that people really, you know, really want. Mm. You know, if, if you want to sort of really build a decent bis- business, um, service really does matter, you know, so. It, it does, but how do you, um, there's a fine line, isn't there, when you're starting a business. So you started your own business quite a few years ago and you, you're you very good at networking, as most business people are, because you have to, right? You've mm. got to get people into your funnel. Mm. Um, but w- at what point do you think the service element of it will start to struggle? Because I've seen so many people start from nothing and they've gone out on the networking circuits and they've spoken at events and they're in the Facebook groups and then they get loads of people in. Then all of a sudden it becomes a bit of an issue of actually servicing them in the back end. It, it does. I mean, numbers do build up. I mean, you know, at the moment I've got 12 people working for me in the office. We service 3,000 clients. That's a lot of clients. It is. Um, you know, um, a lot of them are just, you know, hands off. They just want a, a letter sent out to them. Mm. Um, follow-up phone call saying look you know your policy's due for an all or a text message or something they, they tell us what they prefer um and we service them accordingly like you know so but yeah. the biggest thing is you know what makes and breaks a lot of the relationships is not just getting the price right it's getting you know if if there is the inevitable a claim that you can be able to service that claim right right you know, yeah is that where most of the workers involved then pinda is servicing the claims it does it is it yeah. is like you know um <laughs> whilst we are you know um a reasonable size broker and we we have quite a lot of sway with some of the insurance companies a lot of that decision making is now taken back inside by the insurers so getting them to agree things can be now quite a nightmare you know mm. so regardless of the name or whoever they are um 
when you say great things, do you like, are they always trying to like cut corners? Yeah, and get out of paying. Get out and So pay. they do everything they can not to pay. Yes, they'll, they'll look for anything. That, you know, we have to give them as many reasons why they shouldn't be paying, and they'll yeah. give us as many reasons why they shouldn't be paying. I mean, this is typical of one of our interviews because I ask you a question, we go off on a tangent, and then we'll come back to how you got going again in a minute. So for anyone that is listening, um, I'm just going to give you an example. I own, or I used to own a chain of pubs, right? Um, as part of our portfolio, I still own one. And going back ten years ago, the tenants that were in there they're on a full insuring full repairing lease mm -hmm. they didn't pay we evicted them and they trashed the pub as mm -hmm. a little thank you present to us they literally took all the light fittings off the wall mm -hmm. they ripped the electric they turned the electrics off and ripped all the wires out mm -hmm. and they really trashed it so we went to the insurers and they did absolutely everything not to pay us out mm. um, and they tried to come up with every single clause um, so we took on a consultant mm. and the consultant fought our case and we got a payoff of 45000 mm -hmm. in the end. And they gave us all, they didn't want, well, we, we bartered with them. They said, well, we can give you, so like 75 on um, production of receipts mm -hmm. and you do the work, or we give you 45 now and we'll have done with. Mm -hmm. So we just took the 45. But it just goes to show, if we hadn't have taken that person on to fight our corner, we'd have probably lost that claim. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, that's why we're using a lot of external consultants. The yeah. guys that are, you know, actual experts in their industry. Right, you know, whilst we know insurance inside out and what you should be covering, um, when it comes to claims, it's it's a, it's an actual profession in itself now. Yeah. Right. So we use you know some external consultants like you know straightforward claims. Um, the girls in the office will look after them straight in and out, done. The, the um, bread and butter stuff. The bread and butter stuff, like you know. But some of the more complex ones, we've got a few that are going on. We've got another one that's going on at the moment, which is in excess of three hundred thousand pound claim, uh, a fire at a nightclub. Um, so-called nightclub, shall we say. Hmm. Um, and the insurers are doing everything they can not to pay. And it's a straightforward claim. Yeah. Very straightforward. There's a screw that's gone through um, the ceiling um, where they're putting the new ceiling up. It's gone through um, electrical cable. Nothing suspicious about the claim. However, all the paperwork for the company doesn't tie up. Yeah, okay. right? So even though um, the claim could be very straightforward and very on the face, on the surface of it, Oh, this is going to go through. Not a problem at all. Mm. They want to know everything about you. And you know, the inside you know, leg people, anything. In, and in property, you know, people, if they're cutting corners. So, for example, I don't know, t you tell me, you're the insurance expert. Um, I'm going to give you a scenario. So, I've got a buy to let property mm -hmm. um, on a buy to let mortgage. Mm -hmm. I don't have permission for HMO, no. but I'm HMOing it. Mm -hmm. And then it burns down. Mm -hmm. Am I going to get my insurance payout? As long as you've taken a HMO insurance product. I have, but I haven't got a HMO no. mortgage product. Okay. Uh, the mortgage product is between you and your provider. Yeah. As long as the insurance has been taken out correctly. Right. Right. And you have obtained a HMO license. I bet you there's loads of people now. Right. Going, oh, <laughs> geez, thank God. Right. <laughs> they're... they're, they're Nine out of ten insurers will pay the claim will they? Okay. because you long as you've complied with HMO rules, yep. uh, health and safety, um, and done all the bits and pieces and taken out the correct product to ensure. Right. So it's the product itself as a standalone insurance mm. policy, regardless of the mortgage product and everything else. Regardless of the mortgage product. That, okay. that, that's not for all insurers. Right. Right. You know, there are certain ones like, you know, a lot of the, um, the Lloyd's driven ones. Um, that will go to the umpteenth degree. 
Yeah. Right. And if you've broken rules and not followed rules, mm. they will look for a reason not to pay. Because I have heard horror stories. You know what it's like. Yeah. It's like, you know, my mate Dave at the pub, you know, he knows everything Dave at the pub. <laughs> and he's told me that, you know, he knows people that have tried to make claims and because it's not been, um, the mortgage product hasn't been done properly and they've got out of it because of that. And, you know, you, you when you're on the circuit, you hear all of these horror stories. Mm. And I think it's just nice to clarify actually what, what's real and what isn't. Well, I mean, you know... <laughs> Don't get me wrong, like no, um, we say all most small claims will go flying straight through four, five, What's six, a small seven, claim? five, anything under five thousand pounds, right? It'll go flying straight through, right? As long as the right products have been taken out, and you've got the, all the right paperwork, etc. Yeah, because very rarely will the insurers ever ask you for your mortgage documentation, okay? Right, but if it was a total loss, you know, the house is burnt down, yeah. Now we're looking at a, it's a different kettle of fish now, yeah, right? So now the insurers are out for. 200,000. Yeah. Maybe maybe even more. So that's when they could start doing more investigations. And more bargaining. And, and more bargaining. And, and then, you know, and, and if they get to the point where, oh, hang on, let's check his mortgage, which they could do. Yeah. They have, they're perfectly within the rights to ask you. So if they did check that Pinder and they did have the wrong product mm. and they refused to pay out, is there any, what's the procedure to, like, you know, challenge it? First, you have to put a complaint into the insurer. Like there's 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 a process that you have to follow. Right. Uh, so, the insurers get certain a certain length of time that we say have to respond to. Yeah. Now, if you're still not if you're still not satisfied with their outcome, right, then the next um, stage is to complain to the ombudsman. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, small businesses, anything under a million pounds, sole traders, etc. You know, the ombudsman's very customer sided so he, he'll go on the side of the customer rather than the insurer right yeah but when it comes to large claims like this you know you've got to be quite clear with your paperwork yeah, yeah. very very clear with your paperwork yeah it's important now, isn't it now what material fact does the mortgage have like you know on the claim itself well very little yeah very very little like you know that's a hms hmrc uh, issue right rather than an insurance issue yeah yeah so you'll find some like you know the bigger boys will probably turn you know like the the, the zaxes and alliances of the world like you no know, rather than have um the bad publicity they'll just pay yeah yeah whereas the smaller guys like you know which like you know um some of the lloyd's driven syndicates etc and we've seen some of these guys go out of out of business over the last two or three years um they will go to the umpteenth degree to try and kick that out right mm. okay so let's just recoil because we so we got to the point of when you moved back from London, you met your wife, or your wife is sorry, you moved back over. Um, where, where did it all start for you personally, Pinder, for Falcon Insurance? <coughs> End of two thousand six, um, basically. Um, I'd already been working for three companies whilst I moved up from Slough to Birmingham here since two thousand two. Since 2000. So, we're, so for everyone that's listening, so we're in, uh, where are we now? Are we Aston? Where, where's it? What's this area? Uh, Digbeth. Digbeth. So we're in Digbeth. Our studios are in Digbeth here. And where are you based, Pinder, from where we are now? Is it far to travel? Uh, no, just literally a mile across the town. A mile? Uh, yeah, jewelry, oh, cool. jewelry quarter. Okay. Yeah. So did you walk? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I drove. Just freezing cold, Swally. <laughs> just wanted to give everyone a little bit of a demographic of where we are. Okay, so you moved over to Birmingham. Yep. Moved over to Birmingham, you know, um, and I'd actually worked for three different employers whilst I was working at the same company. They'd all been sold off. Oh. I made an absolute fortune off so the back of... 
they they built the business up, sold it to somebody else, and and yet they built the business again and sold it to somebody else. That again. happened three times. <laughs> yes. And at what pace? What period of time? Over six years. Six years. Wow. Six years. So uh, like you know, so within six years, the, the company had been sold three times. So just after I started with them, they got sold. And is that normal in the insurance industry? Because that's quite quick, isn't it? Uh, no, like you know, the, um, the, there was a right um, influx of you know um, of larger um, brokers buying smaller brokers up. Right. Like, you know, trying to, you know, uh, make their book sizes a lot bigger um, and trying to get sort of real control of the market. So what, so they could sell their company because they've got more, more, yes and more no. of a book? No, yes and no. Um, you know, the, the bigger you get, the more commission demands you can have. Mm. Like, you know, so you can go to the insurance companies and I won't name, uh, you know, some of them. Like, you know, but, you know, some of the insurers are, like, say, for property owners insurance, on 45 to 50% commission. So what, of the whole price of the policy? or Of the whole price of the policy. Wow. So that's massive that's money. That's a lot, isn't it? You know. Do they charge a fee as well? Some of them charge a fee as well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like a small arrangement fee, 25, 35 pounds. So if the policy was 800 quid a year, then potentially the broker could get 370, 380 quid for that policy? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, so the bigger they become, they, they increase the commission demands. Standard commissions on, like, you know, um, property owners, like, you know, I don't mind disclosing this, are anything but sort of between sort of 17.5% and 25%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what average brokers work on, which is what we work on. Right. Right. Um, so we charge a small arrangement fee, yep. £35 or yep. 10%, whichever is the greater. You know, so you know, just the commissions don't actually pay all the bills. But gone are the days where the, the insurance companies provided us all the documentation, you know, all the policy booklets and everything else. Now all that comes digitally emailed yeah, yeah. over to us. So yeah. we've got more costs in printing out paperwork, etc. There's a lot of clients that still say, I want physical documentation. Right. So you have to print all, you know, you know, some of the policy booklets could be 80 pages long. I know myself, you know, I mean, we've got quite a big portfolio. Um, my emails get clogged up as everybody else's probably do that's listening. You know, I don't know. I probably get 200 emails a day. Yeah. Um, and I can never find any policy documents now. It's there somewhere. Yeah. You know, but I very often, if I need to refer to it, I have to go back to my brokers and say, look, can you just send them back over for me? Yeah. Because I lose them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we're, we're actually talking to our software provider now. So to provide a sort of like an you know, online client portal. So you create, yeah. you know, your own um, password, etc. But even that, right. though, you know, everything's got a bloody password these days, <laughs> isn't it? You know, everything. <laughs> you either have the same password and then you're super exposed, yeah. or you just don't remember it. Or you, you, know, or you go into this, you know, you have to get LastPass or something like that. There's a product called LastPass. Yeah, I use that. Yeah, but that's got to have a password as well. That's got to have a password as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you lose your password to that, and then it's all over. Yeah, it's, it's all nuts. game over. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah, so, like, but a lot of them can be reset now, like yeah, so yeah. very easily, like the software we're talking to him black like, no, it's, it's it's not it's not cheap but it's it, it provides you a, a client portal so whenever you need your documentation so rather than having to come to us all the time you can just go log online and you know retrieve your policy documents at yeah. any point so rather than sort of it clogging up your emails because some of these files are not small yeah you know, yeah. You know so you can you can clog up your email you know boxes very very quickly yeah absolutely so back into it so mid 2000s um you started falcon insurance so talk to us about how that looked was it just you at the time it was me and my ex-business partner. Okay. The, the two of us started it off. Um, I, at that time, um, he was more into his personal insurances, like no better. He was a um, keen motorcycle fanatic, just like I am. Um, I've had several bikes. Um, 
things. We, oh, we... Don't get started on bikes. <laughs> now we're going to go off on another tangent. <laughs> you know, and, um, we'll, have have, we'll have to have another chat about bikes. You know, and then we we start, we started off as um, a specialist bike insurer, doing quad bikes, doing um, ice cream vans, um, ice cream vans, okay. you know, and um, mini buses, which are very niche products. Yeah, right. But it, but the commission margins on those sort of things are sort of like seven and a half percent. You know, I'm desperately 15%. thinking about ice cream jokes. Ice cream jokes <laughs> that, that match with insurance. But I can't think of any. But um, you know, it, it was a case of stack it high, sell it cheap, right? You know, you know, and you really had to sort of compare, you know, compete with the, the online products, and there was very little negotiation with the insurers, and you know, I was getting a little bit disillusioned with it, like you know, saying, look, you know, we, we we're starting to be working all sorts of hours. Right, to really sort of make a really good living at this. Yeah. You know, unless we open up a call centre with 200 strong, we're really going to make not a lot of money. And, you know, that, and when we opened up the business, we didn't really have a lot of investment. You know, we didn't borrow any money. You know, Do you have to be qualified before you can start your own brokerage? Is there a, like a, is a regulation? Is there a, you know, like a, a regulating body? Um, well, uh, there's no regular. I mean, other than the FCA being the regulators, yeah. like you know, they wouldn't let anyone that's you know has got no experience. So, in can industry. I just start a brokerage tomorrow? No, 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 no. Like you know, you know, you you, you could go through the pr uh, process and get authorized, but then none of the insurers will deal with you unless you've got people who are there who have got the experience. Yeah, right. So yeah. you know, um, starting a brokerage with zero experience would be very very difficult nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, we, we, we struggled along and I said, look, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm going to go back to what I was good at, which was commercial insurance. You know, um, we started doing, um, a few shops, a few factories, a few bits and pieces, but then, you know, I've, I've got several properties of my own and I thought, you know, there's, there's, there's gaps in the market here. There's, there's lots of things that are not covered where people are not getting the right cover. We're seeing claims come through. What can we do that's going to try and differentiate us? And that's with the start of the journey, John, before really starting to do property, which is around about 2012 when me and my business and partner... And did you just drop everything else and just say, right, we're just going to do property, nothing else now? Forget the bikes, forget the ice cream vans. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, I bought my business partner out. Like, right. You know, so that was, uh, you know, um, um, a bit of a parting, shall we say. Okay, well, was it <laughs> on a good way or a bad way? It, it was... Both, okay. good and bad. Right. Like you know, we st we, st we still talk. You know, we still get on. Like you know, but has um, he got an ice cream van now? No, 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 no. He's <laughs> he's, he's got he's, he he lived out of London, which was the other difficult part of it. So um, you know, him him traveling from, from London back to up to Birmingham like every day. Was, yeah, um, three or four times a week. Right, that's a jaunt. You know, was was a bit of a jaunt. Yeah. Like you know, so especially in an ice cream van. I mean, they don't go very fast. <laughs> <laughs> now he came up either uh, in his car or on his bike. Like you know, so uh, you know, depending on the weather. Yeah. Um, and you know, I it, the more I started looking into this, more you know, and I thought, well, you know, this you know, this is not a decent product for this or a decent product for that. You know, the insurers are um, so behind the times like you know because the whole strategy around sort of like you know letting out property etc was changing overnight mm. and the insurers were still back stuck 25 30 years ago yeah you know with single asts etc yeah you know um tarring all students with the same brush asylum seekers etc yeah so we thought you know we, we've got to try, try and do something different the industry doesn't move very quickly does it you know when we get all these new products i mean mm. we talk about service accommodation in a minute but it's not new i mean it's, it's been new, around no. for like ages now <laughs> yeah. and there are still you know insurers that don't like it we've just had a quote recently so we um we've just converted i think two of our properties mm -hmm. into sa we mm -hmm. own them mm -hmm. so there's no issues with like leases and head leases and stuff and we went out to our broker um and we 
got some quotes back for the two SA units. And what they said was they, they wanted us to insure the whole block mm -hmm. because the risk for that one flat out mm -hmm. of that block as a service accommodation unit puts the rest of the block at risk. At risk, that's right. So yes. they, the quote that they came back for one SA unit was phenomenal. It mm. was like three and a half grand. Mm. I'm like, what? So, you know, we didn't we didn't do it in the end. Um, but I don't think that they're up to date even now, you know, with all of the new strategies. I mean, you're probably going to tell me something different in a minute, but the way I see it as a consumer, um, I think they're still pretty much behind. No, no they are, like, you know, um, but they're right in what they're saying. Look, you know, even if you have one flat, we, we you know, we've, we've insured a few now. You, the, the, you know, um, the top floor of the, um, the apartments is being used as SA, yeah. and the rest of it's on long-term um, leases or even long-term leaseholders. Yeah, right. Um, but just through that one unit, you, you could be potentially putting the whole risk, mm. whole block at risk. The problem is, um, there's some very good operators out there, and some very bad operators out there, right? And it's the bad operators that have given. The insurers a real bad taste for that market. That's kind of normal in every industry, though, it, isn't it? It is. It is. Like you know, I mean, let's talk about you know we're we're in property. People watching and listening to this is mm. property. You know, there's forever been the whole brush of property education, property trainers. Mm. You know, they're bad at this, they're bad at it, it's never been any different. Mm. And then, you know, and I always go back to when I was in the police. You know, I worked with people. I risked my lives with people that were um that eventually went on to cause criminal damage themselves or mm. or, or um, get criminal convictions and go to prison yeah. you know so that's at every level mm. it's going to happen yeah no no, no very, very true very true yeah. like, no, but uh <coughs> but we're right in what we're saying the insurers are so back with the times but you know after attending you know courses with yourselves you know and sue sims and you know and, and one or two others like no um it's it was a case of sitting down with underwriters and educating them yeah, educating them, you know how these things work. I remember you coming on one of um, probably I don't know was it about five, maybe five years ago on my discovery day. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember you coming along, and um, is that kind of just when your business was getting going then? Yeah, it was. It, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's about right. So like, you know, we um we started looking at the property markets and started saying, looking at well, you know, what can we do like to try and help a lot of these guys? Yeah, you know, we're not going to be the cheapest in the marketplace. You know, we you know what we try and do is give you the very best cover we can. At the very best price we can. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just about that pen It's about the service. It's, the service. And it's having a real person mm. to talk to. That's right. And to be accountable almost. So when somebody posts in, you know, social media is massive, right? It's not mm. going away. It is a big source of business for a lot of people. Mm. Um, and you know, you're no exception to that. But when people say on my social media group, you know, who do we know that can do insurance for this, this, and this? Mm. Then I think 99% of the recommendations are you. Because you're there mm. and you're available, and you come back and respond to them straight away, mm. and that's how business is done, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, like we see a lot of other brokers recommend on there, like you know, you know, some of them are very, very good, sure. very, very good brokers. Yeah. Um, but what I found is the quicker you respond and you respond, you know, everything's yeah. about speed now. It is. Like it's now. like selling rooms, you know, when yeah. you're renting a room, and if you advertise on spare room, and you get three or four inquiries, and yeah. you don't go back to them for three days you're probably not going to get any of those as tenants. That's right. Yeah, it's like about no. being 
sharp, sharp, proactive, absolutely. And, you know, and you know, responding. No, no. Yeah. with with the with the you know the advent of um, social media, etc. Everyone wants things done yesterday. Yeah. Right. You know, and um, that's one thing we've we've seen. So I, you know, you you've seen me. I respond to most posts very very quickly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I get um, <laughs> messenger uh, messages like you know middle of the night. You know, Pinder, can we have a, can we get a quote for this? Yes, tomorrow morning you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you do have to. You know, you've got a life, right? And you like to party. I know you like to party. Every time I see a photograph of you and your lovely wife, you're dressed up to the nines and you're out to go and do so. I, mean, I think I've seen about, I don't know, have you been to about 10 parties already this year coming up to Christmas? Well, we've probably been to about 10 different awards, like, you know, uh, where we've been up for a couple. Yeah, that's good. And that's we, we, we sponsor a lot of the awards, like, you know, which, you know, uh, helps with the profile building, etc. Yeah. But it's always a good night out. So, uh, you know, we, we've got. It's fair to say you like to party. Uh, it's fair to say I very much do like to party. <laughs> Don't we all? And it's Christmas almost. You know, people might be listening to this in June thinking, why are you going out to parties in June? Um, all right, we're 20 minutes, but nearly half an hour in already. Mm -hmm. the, the time just flies. Let's talk about insurance. Okay. All right. Um, so, scenario. I'm new to the market. Mm. Um, got myself my first HMO. Mm -hmm. um, what do I need? Do I need? I'm going to rattle these off. You tell me if I need them or not. So, do I need contents? Do I need... Um, Malicious damage, if I do, how much? Do I need HMO cover or can I just get away with buy to let? What, what would you advise me? Okay. So we're having the phone call now. I'm on the phone. Tell okay. me what I need to do. So, yeah. So, Mr. Client, you're on the phone. Um, first of all, you need to get your buildings insurance, unless you're doing our, uh, rent to rent. Okay. Yeah. Let's park that a minute. Let's come back okay. to rent to rent. Now, um, your building insurance has to be taken out on a HMO product. If you're going to be HMOing it, you need to make sure, like, you know, you get the right product. Okay. Now, most landlords will not take contents cover, right? Like you know, they, they they just don't they don't see the value in it. Yeah. Depending on how big your HMO is, depends on how big your exposure is going to be, on as far as the um, the general contents are. Yeah, and there's like, not a lot know, in there really. There's usually not a lot in there. You're like you know, three, it's not like your own house. three, four, five thousand pounds. But you know, you've got to remember the carpets. Yeah. Blinds all come under contents. Do they? Yeah. Right. So carp. So unless it's fixed wooden flooring glued to the floor, right? Carpets will generally come under contents. Okay. So you know, it's the sort of things that you have to bear in mind. The the, the, the extra cost for these sort of things, I mean, is very nominal against the whole the whole package. Now, malicious damage is one that like a lot of people, you know, they, they don't pay a lot of attention to. Now, a malicious damage cover. Is, like someone's, is someone's phone ringing? Yes, I think that's mine. Is that yours? <laughs> mine. <laughs> Let it ring. Um, you know, a lot of policies exclude it. Some policies start off at about two and a half thousand. And most policies will top it off at either 10 or 20. So j let's just recap. Most policy policies exclude malicious damage. Mm. Malicious that, damage by tenants, yeah. Right. That's not good. That's not good. Not, not for good a HMO. No. So when you say exclude it, you mean they exclude it unless you ask for it or they just won't do it? They just won't do it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've picked up a few clients, like, you know, where um, we've lost them previously, like, you know, um, because our price wasn't quite competitive enough. And we picked up one, you know, quite a large one. Like, you know, um, they had a fire in the property which the tenant started deliberately. Like, you know, um, they're so, so therefore classed as malicious damage by that particular insurer. Mm. Um, cover was limited to £5,000. I think I know who you're talking about. Mm. Cover was limited to £5,000. Um, 
when the fire brigade came in, the fire was contained in one room, but, you know, fire brigades being fire brigades, they don't open mm. doors, they kick doors through. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And they put enough water on to put out, you know, a volcano. Yeah. Um, and usually... So that person wasn't covered? That person was only covered for £5,000 worth of damage. Okay. £5,000, and even the loss of rent was restricted to £5,000 because it fell under the malicious damage element. 